You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. And online today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, pretty good. Things are might be going our way here. Let's chat about it. Most definitely. So firstly, Eric, let's take a look at some economic data in terms of what we're seeing across the markets. What are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing this week? As you know, Jeff, I've always talked about the economy every time first, and you just look at the data and try to figure out where you're going here. We've had, of course, many of the retailers report very disappointing results in the, uh, the U.S. We had U.K. retail sales were down 0.6%. Uh, in October, that was announced, I think, on Wednesday. We got the Consumer Comfort Index is going down, Consumer Confidence Index going down. We had the Chinese Business Confidence Index went from something like 54 to 49, so their confidence is going down. We see all sorts of indications of weakness in the transportation sector, particularly the Baltic Dry Index, which is hitting a new low. We see very poor statistics on the rail car loadings, uh, truck loadings. It's just a continuation, the same theme that we've talked about ad nauseum here. I think the one, and I've mentioned this before, and I want to mention it again, we have a huge problem in the U.S. with Obamacare. Our medical care generally, we see nothing but huge increases in premiums here, and you can just imagine somebody getting their premium rate increase. Uh, they receive their notice in October, November, and it's, it could be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% increases. It's already a huge part of everyone's expenditures. Like it pushing uh, 18% of the, the typical uh, spending by a consumer, and you start getting double-digit increases. There's your 2% inflation right there. That's before anything else. Uh, we notice that the largest insurer is now in, uh, United Healthcare has indicated they'd like to get out of Obamacare because they're losing all sorts of money on it. We've had a lot of the state co-ops already um, stop providing Obamacare services because they can't make any money on it. And I think Obamacare is kind of a hidden detriment to everyone because it's not just Obamacare, of course. It's the regular premiums that people have jobs that are paying too and the increasing deductibles and the increasing co-pays and all those things where, and it's a huge part of everyone's expenditure. So it just sucks the wind out of out of your disposable income if you got to keep putting it into, into healthcare. So the status quo with the economy, it's weak. And it's not likely to get better. So, Eric, let's take a look at what's happening in the geopolitical sphere, particularly in regards to the terrorist attacks that we've seen this week, both in Paris and then today in Mali. What are your thoughts on these attacks and likewise how they're going to affect the economy and overall morale in the world? Well, certainly it affects the economy. People will be uh, more reluctant to travel and stay in high-end places, by the way. Most of these places get attacked are high-end where the elitists uh, spend their time. And, of course, they're the ones with all the money. And uh, so it's going to have a dampening effect there. It also, of course, puts more fear into everyone's mind that, oh, it could happen here. And therefore, you know, when um, ISIS says, well, they're going to bomb Washington or they're going to bomb New York City, it sure makes you think twice about wanting to be there. So it's going to have a negative impact on travel and accommodation and things like that. So it's a, it's a scary element, and we know now that there were other attacks planned in uh, Paris that uh, were thwarted with the sort of clampdown that happened here. And, of course, the re- recent uh, Mali hostage-taking is just one other country where ISIS is involved. 
and um, there's many, many countries that, that could be affected, and I think it's going to throw a, certainly a, a fear factor into lots of people's travel plans here. So it's not good from an emotional point of view, and it's not good from an economic point of view. So, Eric, let's shift our attention over to minutes from the FOMC meeting in October. As they were released this week, again, the Fed implying that they would raise interest rates next month, but again, could be possibly yet another ploy to kind of boost the American dollar. Now, there are some comments made by the Fed president of Atlanta, again, more along the lines of what I think is a continuing rhetoric around the idea of the U.S. being on a solid path to recovery. But what are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing in those meeting minutes, Eric? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I think one of the conclusions that even the Fed said is a third of the members uh, supported an increase, a third didn't want an increase, and the third were undecided. So that doesn't tell you really too much about what's going to happen in December. I personally believe that the reason they mentioned December in the October minutes is just to to make it look like it was more likely. Uh, And of course, they say subject to data. Well, the data has been very, very weak recently. So I can hardly imagine that the data would support an increase. Of course, if there is an increase, it will strengthen the dollar, which only weakens the U.S. economy, by the way, because it makes our goods way more expensive relative to um, other countries that where the currencies are depreciating quickly. And also puts a sort of a, a, uh, a spear in the heart of most of the emerging markets because their currencies are depreciating. And as your currency depreciates, of course, the cost of imports goes up and uh, nothing could be more instructive than what's happening in Brazil, where I think their GDP is going to be down 5%. Their inflation rate is 10 or 10.8. That's the ultimate definition of stagflation, where you have declining GDP and increasing prices. It's a horrible combination of uh, two factors because it it can't result in in anything good. And then once these dominoes start falling on the economy, it's hard to to pull them out of their funk. In fact, in, in to try to protect your currency, you have to raise rates. Well, raising rates can't be good. So I think the Fed's in a very, very difficult position here. don't think the economic numbers support an increase. I think the talk of an increase is simply that, to try to suggest that they have things under control when they don't have it under control. I think it's a 50-50 at best that they'll raise rates. And of course, the biggest thing that came out of the meetings, the biggest and most important thing is that they said, even if we increase, the the likely area of where we're going to in terms of higher interest rates is much reduced. That We we don't think we need much in the way of increases. And we've seen the, uh, the 30-year and 10-year yields come down subsequently subsequent to that issue, because the bond market's not fearing a number of rate increases. And in fact, it might only be uh, just an increase to suggest that they have some power, when in fact, I don't really believe they do. But the bond market sniffing out the likely trend forward is not a lot of rate increases. And I think even the gold price is reflecting that we're all supposed to be in fear uh, because since you know 2006, there's always been this fear of rate increases, none of which have happened, of course, over a nine-year period. And I think the bond market sniffing out that there's not much coming forward, and I think maybe the gold market sniffing out that there's not much coming forward in terms of the uh, Fed minutes. So, Eric, let's take a look at what's happening in gold this week, particularly its status on the COMEX. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Well, the one thing that we saw late on Friday last week was the commitment of traders' report where the commercials 
uh, reduced their shorts by about 50,000 contracts. That's a huge decline in their short position. In fact, I think it's an accumulative of like 87,000 reduction in their uh, short position in two weeks. That was as of Tuesday of last week. Subsequently, the price of gold was taken through the, um, the five-year low, and I, I suspect that these commercials have massively reduced their uh, short period in the to-be-reported report that comes out this afternoon. And in fact, as a result of the whole process of gold going up to 1190 and coming back down, they've significantly altered their position in the market where they've been ended up being net buyers of gold. Now, we have to wait for the report to come out. Um, and, of course, it just proves the whole thing is rigged. I mean, we had all these people come in and buy gold. The commercials sold every contract, and then they just turned around and wrote it back down in order to buy the contracts back, you know, having made uh, 50 or $100 per contract, and now I think they're going to be net long. Now, we haven't seen the report yet, but I suspect that's what it's going to show, that they, the commercials have gone net long. Anytime the commercials have gone net long, because they control the market uh, illegally, uh, the likelihood is that the gold price goes up. So um, we've seen a huge transition in, in the positions of the commercials in the last three weeks. Furthermore, we had uh, huge outstanding commitments in gold and solar for the December contract. Uh, my recollection of the gold open interest today is about uh, 150,000 contract, which is 15 million ounces of gold. I think the number of ounces of gold sitting at the the Comex is, I mean, it's way less. It might be like a million ounces or so. It's it's not much. So we could have this huge claim of, uh, of course, commercials only have five tons of gold, which is 150,000 ounces, okay? And we've got outstanding potentially 15 million. It always goes down before expiry, and we don't know how much it's going to go down, but there's a huge open interest there. There's a huge open interest in silver. The open interest in silver is something like 150 million ounces, something like that, some huge number. And as it just repeats, sometimes these things come down real fast right uh, towards, uh, towards closing, but the inventory that the dealers have, I think, is something like uh, 43 million ounces. Uh, God forbid that there's a, a number of people stand for delivery and we clean out the Comex both in gold and silver, which could easily happen because the um, quantities of physicals in the Comex is uh, very small. So it's going to stand watching. I would suggest that your listeners, a group called 321gold.com, publishes the uh, Commitment of Traders Report. The Harvey Organ blog, uh, com discusses it uh, on Friday night, so stand by and watch that. But we may be seeing sort of kind of a dramatic shift here. It was sort of interesting that gold went up yesterday about $11, seemingly for no apparent reason. But, I mean, I think the reason is that, that the commercials know this report's coming and everyone's going to exactly figure out what happened here in the last uh, 21 days. It was just a raid and the raid's over, and away we go again. So keeping our fingers crossed that we get a, uh, a very um, a bullish uh, caught report uh, this afternoon. Well, as usual, Eric, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. Okay, all the best. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprott Winning News. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.